BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Burge, coming to you from San Diego, California. In today's episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Julie Press, from our San Francisco offices and, more importantly, of prior California 101 podcast fame. I'm sure you've all listened to the episode. The California Air Resources Board, CARB, recently kicked off its process for amending the Low Carbon Fuel Standard, or LCFS. Julie's here today to fill us in on the options CARB is considering and more importantly, their potential impacts. In 2020 and 2021, LCFS credit transfers were valued at over $4 billion. So it's kind of a big deal, which is why I'm excited to have Julie here to talk about the latest on the LCFS amendment. Thank you for joining me today, Julie. Thank you for having me, Megan. Happy to be here again. Okay, Julie, can you fill us in on what's going on at CARB? Well, Megan, there's actually a lot going on at CARB right now. When you factor in the scoping plan update, setting a zero emission vehicle target for motor vehicles, including regular old passenger cars and medium and heavy duty vehicles. So think semi trucks, UPS vehicles, Amazon delivery vehicles, you name it. They're also looking at standards for off-road equipment like construction equipment and others. But specific to the LCFS, which is what we're here to talk about today, CARB is planning to amend the LCFS program to align it with the recent scoping plan update, as well as to modify it to further incorporate the LCFS as a driver to broader carbon neutrality and GHG reduction goals that California has set forth. CARB has already held a workshop a couple of weeks ago in early July and plans to hold additional workshops later this year before it begins the formal rulemaking process to formally adopt these amendments. Great. So this is going to happen not quickly is what I just heard. Correct. The goal is to have these amendments implemented in 2024 and the formal rulemaking process will need to account for that. Before we jump into the amendments, how does the LCFS work today? Okay, so here are the basics. The LCFS sets annual carbon intensity standards, which decline annually with the goal to reduce carbon intensity of transportation fuels by 20% from 2010 levels by 2030. So carbon intensity or CI as it is commonly referred to is measured in the LCFS based on the complete life cycle of a fuel. So the program as a whole for a given year has a CI target and fuels that are produced or imported into California and used in California must meet that CI target. So think traditional fuels like gasoline and diesel are fuels that are above the CI target that generate what are known as deficits in the program. And fuels that are below the CI target, think renewable diesel or ethanol or bio CNG, are fuels that will generate credits. And then fuel reporting entities, the companies that are subject to meeting these CI targets, they're required to true up their deficits with credits 
to ensure that they ultimately balance out and meet the CI target for a given year. There are three ways to generate credits. That can be done through a fuel pathway. So if you are a producer of an alternative fuel that has a low CI score, you can generate credits by obtaining a certified CI or pathway through CARB. And then you can generate credits based off of that lower CI that is lower than the target for that year. There's also project-based crediting. This is typically traditional fuel entities like refineries can generate credits by implementing emission reduction projects at their facilities, whether it's at a refinery or at the crude oil production facility or somewhere in that process. And also this is where carbon capture and sequestration comes in, in terms of crediting. It can be done in the fuel pathway sense, but it's done also in the project-based crediting sense. And then the third way to generate credits is through infrastructure. Think hydrogen refueling stations, DC fast chargers, infrastructure stations that are built and utilized in the hydrogen and electric space for vehicles can generate credits. And that's generally based on the capacity of the station. I know we're really early in this, but clearly at the July meeting, they started signaling which directions they're looking. What options is CARB considering? So we are early in the process. CARB is seeking a lot of input from stakeholders, but it's informed by the draft scoping plan, which sets forth several changes for the LCFS. And these changes fall into several buckets. The first bucket focuses on carbon intensity, the CI targets that I was talking about before. CARB is looking at accelerating the pre-2030 CI target. The current target declines annually until it reaches 20% below 2010 levels in 2030. And CARB is looking at accelerating those targets and is seeking feedback on setting a target of potentially 25% or even 30% reduction by 2030. CARB is also looking at what to do post-2030. They're considering whether they will set a target out to 2045 aligned with the carbon neutrality target of 2045 that we see in the scoping plan. And also whether there should be interim targets between 2030 and 2045 that, you know, are more aligned with this longer term lookout for the program as a whole. So the second bucket focuses on integrating the opt-in sectors into the program to align it with the various transportation policies that are coming through in the scoping plan and the numerous mobile source regulations that CARB is adopting. And the goal there is to accelerate the transition from fossil fuels or liquid fuels by phasing out credits for mature technologies in successfully transitioned areas. Think Electric forklifts, which was a wildly successful example of the LCFS pushing and innovating in driving investment in that space. CARB is looking at whether certain credit generation opportunities, such as electric forklifts, should be phased out and then focus credit generation opportunities on newer technologies, harder to decarbonize areas, that sort of thing. Well, that could be a big deal for folks who had invested in one of these areas that no longer will have that additional revenue stream coming in from the credits. So exactly. Good to know, Julie. Okay. And then the third bucket is infrastructure crediting. 
given the significant need for expanded infrastructure in order to meet the ZEV targets proposed in ACC2, which is the Advanced Clean Cars 2 regulation, the Advanced Clean Trucks regulation, and other mobile source regulations that are coming down in the next couple of years, CARB is looking for ways to further incentivize the build-out of that infrastructure. So they right now are specifically seeking feedback on how to provide credit generation opportunities for infrastructure crediting to promote these transportation policies towards medium and heavy-duty vehicles because we already have the ability to generate credits for light-duty vehicles, but there, there is some work that could be done in the medium and heavy-duty space. All right, the next to last bucket of proposed amendments based off of the most recent workshop relates to fuel and vehicle applications. So the existing LCFS includes numerous covered fuels and various opt-in fuels. CARB is considering whether hydrogen and fossil jet fuel should be considered a recordable fuel, meaning those fuels would start generating deficits in the program. Opt-in fuels are credit-generating fuels like electricity, alternative jet fuel, other fuels that do not have a reportable obligation in the LCFS. And CARB is evaluating and seeking feedback on whether those fuels should be expanded to include a number of other potential opt-in fuels, but they specifically called out methanol, ammonia, and dimethyl ether as potential credit-generating fuels as opt-in fuels in the program. And as far as the vehicle application side goes, CARB is exploring additional transportation applications such as rail, commercial harbourcraft, and airport ground support for coverage under the LCFS, whereas before those applications would not be applicable to the program. And the last bucket that was discussed at the recent workshop relates to crop-based feedstocks. This one, this one is big. Yes, this one is very big. So as we're seeing a rapid increase in the production of renewable diesel across the country, we're also seeing the use and demand for vegetable-based feedstocks and other crop-based feedstocks increase dramatically. And this is something that was brought up by one of the board members during the scoping plan update hearing and is also then a factor moving forward here in the LCFS space where CARB is evaluating whether this increased demand could result in harmful effects that should be mitigated through the LCFS program by setting an upper limit on the fuel volumes that could be produced from crop-based feedstocks. This is something that's not new to California. There's numerous studies across the world that are evaluating impacts and CARB is seeking feedback on whether there are considerations that should be given to any limit on crop-based feedstocks. How do you see these changes altering the existing market? Yeah, so we have seen how the existing LCFS has sent some pretty strong market signals. That is, that is a yes, understatement. <laughs> yep, keep going. To say it delicately, pretty strong market signals to alternative fuel producers, but also investors. And so the LCFS has spurred significant investment in its lifespan thus far. We see that investors that maybe weren't playing in this space before are particularly interested in participating in it now because there is such a potential for generation of credits and the revenue that can go along with that. So right now, there is a lot of investment or at least a lot of interest in investing in alternative fuels, specifically those that can generate LCFS credits. And when there is an incentive, projects tend to stand out more. 
There are a lot of eyes right now on carbs movements and what market signals the LCFS will send, not just on the participants in California's LCFS, but other states that are planning to adopt or amend their existing LCFS programs. And in addition, deficit generators are watching closely to understand their future in the program. So, for example, if you're a fossil jet producer, historically, you didn't generate deficits for that fuel in California when it was used in California. And now, if the proposal goes the way CARB has signaled, you could find these producers on the hook for those deficits going forward. And that would likely mean a higher compliance burden for those more traditional jet fuel producers. So it's, it's a lot. Okay. So, Julie, bottom line, it seems to me that CARB has a lot of work ahead of them to ensure that the LCFS still sends the market signals that they intend. CARB has a lot of work ahead of it as it leads this transition to ZEVs in the transportation space. But the LCFS isn't going away. There are still going to be significant numbers of liquid fuel vehicles on the road for decades to come. What do you think listeners should be watching for as CARB moves to its next step in this process? So I think the CI targets and the acceleration of that in the next decade or the rest of this decade, rather, and then moving beyond 2030 are the biggest driving force on the market. So that will be a big change. But one thing that was not discussed at the recent workshop is the future of carbon capture and sequestration and direct air capture as a credit generation opportunity under the LCFS. Near and dear to my heart. (laughs) So currently under the LCFS, you can generate credits for carbon capture and sequestration and for direct air capture. CARB has identified through the scoping plan process that carbon removal, carbon capture processes are a necessity for California meeting its carbon neutrality goals. And if you were able to listen in to the numerous workshops on the scoping plan or even sit through the 11-hour public hearing on it, you know the discussions around carbon capture and removal were some of the most spirited discussions during that process. So it will be interesting to see if CARB makes any significant changes in this particular area as it relates to the LCFS. But I think that's one that folks will definitely be watching. Okay. Well, Julie, thank you for joining me today. I really look forward to having you back. Thanks for having me, Megan. With that, I'm Megan Burge. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.